0: Welcome to Impact by Choice. Here we are today again with my beautiful co-host, Rahila Khan. My name is Andrada Nintey and we have our guest for today, Virginie uh, lemay riz I do hope that I pronounce the name well. Correct me if I'm wrong, Virginie, please. No, you're correct, Andrada. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on again, Virginie, for the people who have listened to our previous um, season. You were there as well. We spoke a lot about uh, leadership, Everything. about um, what does it mean to be an expat, and a lot more because we covered almost an hour and a half or so. But today we have you with us again. So welcome both to you and Rahila. Thank you. Thank you, Andrada. Wow, what a delight this
1: is today to have you. Eh? You know her acronym is VLV. Yes. For Virginie, Lime, please. <laughs> yes. So yeah, and, and Virginie about communication and embracing diversity. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, she's a dancer, so we're going to bring in Salsa as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be cool today. <laughs> Great. Sure. Looking forward to it. Well, Welcome, welcome Jeannie. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today and you've become a very dear friend to both Andrada and myself. Yes. You know, going beyond the connection on LinkedIn. So highest, warmest welcome to you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much.
2: It's a a pleasure and an honor to be with you both here. On impact by choice, I'm I'm really happy and grateful for both your your friendship. It really means a lot, and uh, every time uh, our exchanges are are very insightful and helpful. So thank you to to both of you.
0: You're most welcome. Yes,
1: and and you know diversity is a subject very close to my heart. So that is what we will be chatting about today, and rather.
0: Yes, for sure. And um, I would like to jump right in, straight into that. And um, if I may, Rahila, is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah, please go for it. Okay, brilliant. Virginie, you uh, recently had a collaboration with someone from India writing an article precisely on the topic of diversity. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, I know for a fact that uh, the three of us are very fond of this concept. We love it, we embrace it. But um, I would like very much to ask you, how do you see, precisely during these times, diversity coming into play? Because I do believe that it is very important for people to understand why embracing diversity precisely now is more important than ever.
2: Yeah, it's an excellent point, uh, Andrada. I think what we've seen is that people are going back to their, let's say, old habits that uh, when we have fear, when we are surrounded by fear and the media are doing a great job at that, people uh, go back to what they know. And what they know is their surroundings, the people around them, the people that are like them. And to me, diversity is now more important than ever because this is, the future, being uh, surrounded by diverse people will all help us to overcome our fears, to understand better what's happening around the world, why certain people react certain ways, why people say certain things. And if we're just looking at our own way of thinking, our own vision, we're never going to learn. We are are going to be stuck in our, as I said, habits and ways of thinking. When you are um, embracing diversity and including people, you often get ideas, you often get feedback you didn't think of. And why? Because people have different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures. And this is the future. Now we live in a global world as well, where... A lot of companies are working globally. They are making products in one country and selling that, selling it in others. And they need to understand how their customers react. They need to understand how their employees react. And I always say we should never assume when we think that something is obvious, if I think something is obvious for me, it may not be obvious for you, Andreda, because you're in Romania, you have a different background than me. Same as Raila, Raila in South Africa will also see things differently from both of us. So that's why by having being surrounded by people from diverse ages, diverse gender, diverse countries, cultures, languages, abilities as well. This gives us the unique opportunity to really understand what's going on, to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and to take that feedback and make it even better than what we thought we had, whether it's a product, a service, an idea, whatever. And that is how we can progress. And that's, that's why it's so important. Now we see many, many countries, um, and I think it's going to happen more and more, countries and companies who are going to say, well, now we are not going to deal with, for instance, China. We're going to bring everything back to our countries. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's understandable. We've seen having a big dependency on, the, on one country is also not the solution. But I think it's finding the right balance between working with other countries and keeping things on our hands. And this is where, uh, to me, the companies who are going to thrive in the future are the ones who are going to find that right balance. We're not going to completely isolate from the rest of the world. We're not going to leave the control of of everything they have into somebody else's hand. But they will find that balance to say, okay, this I need to keep... And do myself but this I can outsource or I can work with this person and this I can work with that person just because these persons are better at something than we are we cannot there's nobody perfect and we are we don't have strength in every areas of our life or in the areas of of selling a product or service so we should really investigate who has what strength and where can I delegate and to me that is the future by really embracing the diversity and making
1: sure
2: we include it in every part of our life. Lovely, Again,
1: Virginie. You know, you're very big on um, developing managers into leaders. And as so, you know, with all our chats that we have, and also by many posts on LinkedIn about leadership, that you do not need to have a title to be a leader. And looking at diversity, do you think emotional intelligence plays a huge role in how we embrace others? Oh, beautiful question! I love it, Raella. Thank you.
2: Yes, absolutely. To me, uh, if I had to choose one skill that a leader needs to have, it's emotional intelligence. That's the first and foremost. Why? Because when uh, and it goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago. When someone is empathetic, they will listen to others. They will be open for feedback. They will ask questions. They will not assume they know everything. And this is what we need in this world. Everything gets more and more uh, automated. We have uh, uh, more and more um, tools uh, at our disposal to, to do our work in a more efficient way. But you still need this human component to really Uh, again, allow people to connect and communicate with each other. And if you have someone who is not displaying any emotional intelligence, who is going to say, it's my way or the highway, basically, well, sooner or later, people will not want to work with this person. People will not want to buy from this person. And this person, again, will end up maybe being rich, but in the end, very lonely and not being successful. So to me, emotional intelligence is critical because this is how you build relationships, relationship, you build trust, and you have
1: people follow you and and want to work with you. Lovely. I I love that. Um, You know, since we're on emotional intelligence, um, do you think it is about fear, that we have fear of other humans? Do you think fear is an emotion that governs our relationships or... How we build trust with others? Uh,
2: so t- I would say yes, but sometimes we don't do it consciously, because, for instance, when you, let's take an example. Um, I've traveled a lot in my life. I've traveled to more than forty five countries. Let's imagine I go to a country I've never been to. I don't know Russia, Japan, for instance, Australia. I've never been to these countries. Then. Maybe deep down in me, I will still have a little bit of fear thinking like, okay, what can I expect? Will people want to talk to me? Are they able to speak English? Will I be able to communicate with them? So th- this is something I'm aware because as I said, I've traveled, I've traveled a lot. But for someone, if it's the first time they're going to go to Japan, for instance, they may think all kinds of things. Oh my God, uh, how am I going to do? And how am I going to eat? And, um, and, um, How
1: and how um... I think what what you're alluding to, uh, Vijay, is maybe it's good to have a bit of education before we travel about people's culture, people's lifestyle, their food. So, even before it's uncharted territory, as it were, exactly. So, it's good to do some homework, as it were. Absolutely. Uh, some, you know, before re- we do that, even in recruiting people for our oh. companies, it's good to do some background investigation and understand and educate ourselves. Um, and rather, perhaps you may want to come on this as well. Yes.
2: No, doing your research is the minimum, whether you want to travel, whether you want to work with people, whether, as you say, whether you want to recruit or you as a, as a candidate, you also need to do your research into the company. So that's the basic. You need to make your research to know who your counterpart is so that, again, you either take things into consideration, you put yourself in their shoes. And, and that's why I say the fear sometimes is unconscious because we have all these bias from where we come from. And the more we learn, the more we, we are curious, the more we are going to overcome this fear and be conscious of all the things that we can do or should do or should not do. So that's an excellent
1: point
0: you're bringing up, right? Thank you. Andrada, over to you. I was thinking, um, you just said about bias, that we all have, um, let's say, these weak weak points, right? Because if we're speaking about bias, we're speaking about weak points. And again, unconscious or conscious fear about the other, right? As you both said. But I was thinking, since you brought this concept, the bias, and we are speaking about diversity uh, in the world, but also diversity into um, into a company. I was wondering, what is your position um, when it comes to bias within a company policy? And why should it be diverse? Why should, uh, let's say, an HR department consider leaving their biases aside and um, hiring people from diverse backgrounds? Because I know for a fact that you also mentioned that in your article, but I would like to also bring that to our audience in this format.
2: Yeah, another great question, Andrada. To me, what I think is that and it takes time, so it's not something obvious, as you say. We all have our bias. And for instance, a company would look for a business analyst, for instance, and they will have a tendency to look for people who have uh, skills in certain uh, tools, certain softwares, etc. But maybe there there are other people, either who are so students who are just finished their studies and who would be good candidates. They just need they just need a chance to start and to be given that chance and they will be also fantastic business analysts or you could have someone who was a business analyst like 10-20 years ago and who has had different jobs and now is applying for this job and you think oh yeah but he was that's too long ago or maybe this person has a, what they call a gap for instance a woman who has a child in between and who stopped working for a few years. Whether the HR people should not focus, no, we want a business analyst who was doing the job yesterday. Yes, that may be the uh, one way of looking at things, but you are missing out on all the other potential candidates who can be also great. And if I, look at, if I take myself as an example, in 2008, when I went back to the Netherlands, I was hired to work in a bank, in the IT department of a bank, to set up a team in India. And I didn't have any IT background, and I didn't have any banking background. And yet I was hired. And why? And the man, my manager at that time told me, I have endless, enough experts who are specialists in IT and specialists in banking. What I need is someone who is good with communicating with people and establishing relationships between countries. And that's where my added value was. So if he or she had followed or he had followed the, the, let's say, the official process, or if HR had looked for a candidate for him, I probably would not have been taken into consideration because, as I said, I was out from the beginning, no IT, no banking in background. And yet, I still managed to do the job. So that's why I think it's important for companies to keep, an open mind not to always it's okay to focus on the ideal candidate that has uh, so many certification and experience etc etc but sometimes we also need to take a step back to look at other people because just these other people they will be able to bring some fresh pair of eyes on certain issues they may challenge things and say well why have you been doing these things like that for so long? And the answer would probably be, well, we've always done them like that, and it works, so why do them differently? Right. But no, by having someone who has a different, um, different background and is fresh into an organization... This person may give you an idea, say, well, if you would do this like this and reduce it like that, then you're you're going to gain, I don't know, a day, uh, you're going to be one day quicker. Or you can spare one person here and you can this person to somewhere else. So that's why it's so important to not really be focused in in our own own area or thinking, Okay, we need this person. Mm -hmm. No, it's very important to look outside because, as I say, you never know when having someone outside. What this person can bring to your department, company, or organization.
0: Brilliant, Jenny. You
1: know that I'm very passionate about empowering women, yes, uh, especially in leadership. And I know that you you are very passionate about uh, leadership for women as well. Yes. And what I want to touch on now, if it's okay, I'd rather for me to jump in, sure, sure um, is looking at. Inappropriate behavior. I think yeah, it could be uh, during business hours, but also on a social level. I bring both aspects into it and how we socialize, how we develop ourselves. And sometimes, you know, inappropriate questions may be asked, especially with females. Yeah. Um, I know you, you are big on that as well. So I'd okay. love to hear your, your inputs on that.
2: Yeah, so also another great question. So as you say, women, we are probably more, uh, not inclined, but we will probably get more an appropriate question than men. That's, that's just a, a fact. And I think there as well, you need to pay attention to the culture or who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a joke uh, about women, and this is someone that is maybe your potential client or a new candidate for an interview, You definitely should not do these type of jokes. Uh, Again, if it's someone you know and someone you know who can take a joke, maybe after a year or two you can make this joke. But you always should be very careful. And I say as a woman, there are different things that you can do. First of all, if you are being asked an appropriate question, whether how old are you, do you want children or whatever, and if it's an interview you can always ask well i i don't understand why it's relevant here why do you need to know this information and mm-hmm. maybe the person maybe the person will not realize that it was uh, inappropriate and maybe will apologize or there is maybe a background let's imagine there is a, an older candidate someone who is above 60 and the person wants to know if the person is really above 60 and ask the age then the recruiter may have a, a, a reason to ask that maybe because his company can get subsidies for hiring older people. So that may be a reason, but there should always be a, a good reason not to, for the sake of how old are you. So mm-hmm. first, just ask the person, OK, why do you need that to 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 know that now if it's something that is important but you don't want to say it you can always say well i'd rather wait until the end until i'm sure i'm hired and then i will, i'm happy to disclose this information then at least the person knows that you're still open to um to answer that question, but that's not the right moment. And finally, if it is really appropriate or if a person keeps asking a type of appropriate question, then sometimes, as I say, you just need to call out the person and say, well, I don't think this is appropriate. Because again, some people, they just make jokes all the time and they think they can do that with everybody and it's not the case. So by calling out the person, they will think, oh, okay. They will know that they shouldn't do it, but they will also know that, okay, with you, they cannot go past a certain a certain limit so it's all in balance but as i said the cultural aspect as well is is um is very important to take into consideration again i'm going to take my example many years ago when i was working in a contact center i had um a colleague of mine who was actually a a director and he was Irish and I could get on very well with him and he was always making jokes with me and also jokes about women. And one time, I don't know, I I was uh, taking some coffee uh, in the kitchen and there was an American colleague who was there and my Irish colleague was say, Oh, uh, now you're in the kitchen again. Oh, that's where you should be something like that. And I took it as a joke and I say, yeah, I don't think you have much uh, with me because I'm not a good cook. Something I like, read. I just replied jokingly. And that was, but the American person looked at me and said, Oh my God, but he talks to you like that. And I say, yeah, we were always joking to each other so that that's fine. But if, The person, the American person, was shot by the question. So, as I say, it's very important to take the cultural aspect into consideration. And also, as I said, if you've known the person for a long time or not, obviously, this director, he would not have made this joke to another woman that he would just have met, for instance. But with me, because we've been joking for many, many years, he could do that joke with me. And I and I replied also jokingly. So a lot of things to, to take in consideration. But again, if it had been someone I would not have known, I would also have said, well, I don't think this is appropriate. So depends of the contest as well. But I think as women, we also need to stand our ground and say, and say when it's not okay and as I say call out the people if, if they do some inappropriate remark or questions.
1: Thank you that was so you, you answered that so beautifully and also bringing your own personal experience just adds flavor to the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And rather, I'll hand over to you.
0: Yeah for sure it brings, brings a lot of flavor to the conversation you know to always yeah. exemplify with personal experience because i'm sure that in that way people find it easier to relate to a certain situation right but now i have a question related precisely to calling out a person right Mm -hmm. calling out the person in front of you especially if you are a woman because um only last year uh, uh, sorry only last week uh rakila and i released a a material regarding domestic violence, right? But if we're taking that into business, there may be a lot of women who um, might be afraid of calling out the person in front of them, especially if they're doing an interview or during in the first, first month in a company. So for those women who might be afraid of standing their ground, what would be your advice, Virginie? So, if I may, hundred, I would say it's
2: not only men, uh, women; it can also be men. And when we say vi- yes. vi- violence, it can be also psychological violence, yes. so not only physical. And here as well, I first I would suggest this person to try to speak to their manager, if that's the manager they have the, or talk with the person who is making this 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 comments or is uh, abusing the person and also say call them out and say well listen i'm new to this organization maybe i'm still not used to your way of managing things but i'm having a hard time working with you, or I'm having a hard time um, understanding your management style. Can you help me show that you're willing to learn? Again, you as an individual, you, you can only control yourself. You cannot control the other person, but by calling them out in a diplomatic way, you can show that, okay, you're willing to try to adapt to the situation. However, there are some cases where people will continue to abuse you and will will not care about how you feel or what you say. They just want the work done and they will keep on abusing uh, abusing you um, uh, mentally or psychologically. In that case, I would suggest the people to contact your HR department and mention what's happening. That's number one. Number two as well, if you have the possibility, maybe there is another manager you could talk to Uh, And I'm going to give again another example that's related to to my situation. Um, Because again, having a third person, not HR, but someone else as well, that may also help things uh, improve. Mm -hmm. Uh, Worse comes to worse. I always say a person who is abused, please take notes. Don't tell anyone, but take notes. For instance, on that day, this is what happened. This is what he or she told me. Write it down. make a special document so that you keep these remarks in a document. Don't tell anyone just that's true for yourself." And every time an incident happened, track it down so that if worse come to worse, someone and one time they will say, "Well, it's your word against that other person." Well, well, at least you say, "Well, for the last one year, I've been tracking everything that happened, and I can already count. I don't know, 40 times where on that day she said this, on that on that day he said that, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So you don't have like a real proof, but at least they can see that you've been tracking things. So that that's the one thing always do that to cover your back, I would say. But worse comes to worse, if really it's unbearable, I would say try to find a way to either move to another department or or leave your organization because you cannot stay in a situation where you are going to be abused consistently. This is not healthy for you and you're probably bringing that stress home as well and it's not good for your family either. So as I say, just from your perspective, always try to show that you understand show as well your boundaries like I don't think it was appropriate but I'll I'll try to be more flexible or if you were joking I will know for next time but again I would say document everything just in case and if things don't improve start to escalate ask to that it stays confidential start to escalate because maybe you are in that situation, but if a person is very abusive, it's probably not only with you, but with other persons. And if the other person do the statement, they start to escalate where someone in HR will say, okay, there's something wrong here because it's not just personal with one person it's across the team or the department and to, to the example i wanted to give you a few years ago i had uh, my team so i had direct reports, and i also had a group of people who were my um they had a dotted line to me so i was not their direct manager but still they had i had um, regular meetings with them and i was giving them direction at the european level and I had someone in one of the team in one of the countries that reached out to me because their manager, their direct manager was abusing them. And it was a man. That's why I made the, the comment at the beginning. It was a man. And he gave me some explanation and he gave me some stuff. And when he told me that, I was thinking, okay, now all the things that I had noticed started to make sense. But I, because I had noticed things, but I didn't have the background, I could not really say anything but when he told me certain things I was like uh uh-huh, now I understand why I noticed this and I noticed that because now he's telling me the why so he told me as well Virginie I'm trusting you I'm telling you I don't like to talk badly about my manager but I have no other choice we tried to to speak to 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 that person and that person was not willing to change so he said also, they had spoken to HR, but because they were in the same country, HR was trying to say, "Yeah, maybe you, 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 are, um, you have to wait. She's new. The person is new, and um, you have to give him a, um, give that person a chance." But again, that was new. That was already a year that the person had been into this role. So he talked to me, and then, without also mentioning, I started to listen to other people, starting to observe. And then indeed what he had told me seemed to be true. So then again, I started to reach out HR as well. And because it was going from HR, HR was forced to do an investigation.
1: Mm. And in
2: the end, that, that person who was abusing others left or was asked to leave. I'm not sure exactly, but something was done. So that's why I say sometimes you just need to reach out for help. Uh, Outside, as I say, make sure you document everything that you're not just because you don't like a person, it's not going to work. But if you have proof that if you say, well, this happened on that day and this is how it works and this is that and everything. Every time we do this, this is what is that happened. As I say, someone else will connect the dot and we say, yes, that's correct. So that's why that's my advice. Sometimes you have no choice but to escalate. Mm -hmm. It's sad when this happens because it's unfortunate. But that was the solution then. And and as I say, when the person left, they hired someone else. And and after the team was working, was working fine. So really make sure you you are, when you think you're alone, you probably are not. If you are abused psychologically or or mentally, uh, as I say, cover your back, track everything and start to talk to others.
1: That would be my suggestion.
0: Brilliant.
1: I'd like to ask you, you know, it's quite an education um, looking at diversity in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it is very important or utmost important from a place of in-house training and development of of employees um, in terms of cultural diversity and through emotional intelligence to create greater awareness? Do you think that's extremely important
2: across the board? Yes, I think as soon as a company is starting to either have employees in different countries or working with customers in different countries, that there should be a, a compulsory training to raise exactly the awareness. Really emphasizing that first communication is the most important. And by communicating, I mean we should mostly listen before saying stuff. So it's important that we will disagree. There, We never agree even with people who are from our same family or from same culture, same gender. We never all agree all the time. But when you have this cultural aspect in between, that makes things even more difficult. So yes, a training to raise the awareness, to not assume, to be mindful with humor, to not take things for granted and again uh, have people really ask themselves okay does that make sense is that so clear that somebody who has known nothing about that who is from another culture will that make sense as well Um, I know when I was working in Amazon, um, I can't remember what it was exactly, but we here in Europe, we are used to use credit card and debit card, but you have countries in in, uh, like, I think I can't remember if it was the Philippines, But people are not so used to dealing with credit cards. So when what we think in Europe is easy and yet we can all pay with credit card or debit card, in another country, this may not be uh, so obvious. So again, even the most simple thing, we need to really take a step back and say, okay, is what I'm thinking the right thing? Can it be applied to Everybody, so ask question, open, and by doing that, you are raising the awareness. You are raising uh, the awareness to yourself to say, okay, if I think I have a great idea and it seems to be bulletproof, just double check, triple check that it makes sense everywhere you want to implement that product or the service. So yes, absolutely, just having this 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 um, training is very important. And I would say, as soon as you start, as well adding. Uh, Say a company is present in five countries and suddenly they expand into 10 countries, then there should be again another refresh training from the further the, the other countries plus the new ones to see again if there are differences in ways of thinking, communicating, uh, purchasing, etc. etc. So, absolutely, great point, uh, Raheela. Yes, um, Virginie, you know,
1: following up from from your previous question and and thank you for such a brilliant, uh, response. Um, you know, taking it further because this is a very interesting part of, uh, human resource development from my own experience, uh, in bringing in emotional intelligence, that it should be an ongoing program in HR, um, in, in how we, address these issues in the workplace. Do you think from time to time that the the person who is in charge of HR uh, in a company should be doing little training workshops as it were? Uh, absolutely I don't I, I think it will depend of the
2: organization because sometimes uh, training is done by another department for instance sometimes it's done by the quality quality and training are much together sometimes you have a special in big companies as well you have uh, a leadership training that is being delivered but anyway HR or leadership or quality and training someone should do this this training on, on a regular basis uh, raising the awareness this is that This is how we all become better as a society and as we know we need to communicate things over and over and over again you have these big brands uh, like coca-cola mcdonald they are what they are because they've repeated the message hundreds thousands of times even though i'm not saying they're good but uh, that just from a marketing point of view they've done a great job there so by really re-emphasizing these messages raising the awareness about other cultures other languages also especially in um andrada is in the same case as me and English is not our native language so you yeah. also need to take into consideration that uh, people even though they do speak English sometimes uh, some words or expressions do not come easily to us or sometimes things are not as easy as for us for a native English speaker so all these little things they, they really really help Um, raising the awareness at all level I would say it's not only the managers but also the people in the team because you have um, you have people again that may they may come out of uh, um, their studies and have their first job or you may have someone who has worked always for a company but locally with only people from their own uh, country or even their own city and then suddenly they find themselves working for a company that is now dealing with uh, international customers. So I would say re-emphasizing, repeating these messages to raise the awareness about how to be more respectful, how to communicate better, how not to assume, uh, how to be mindful with humor Again, something that is uh, funny for me may not be funny for someone else or vice versa. Um, All these little things, that makes a difference. And to me, I always say conflicts are to me at least 90% of the time related to communication because somebody misunderstands something, because somebody said something the wrong way, uh, because somebody didn't wait for the person to to say their opinion. So it's all when you look at it and, and you see that in countries and politics as well, it's just miscommunication uh, all the time or misunderstanding that one person says one thing and someone else understands it differently or takes it personally while it was not meant like that. So by really bringing this awareness in companies, it would make our life and our society so much better because we would learn to really take a step back and put ourselves in the other person's shoes. To, mm-hmm. Not to, to say straight away, oh, you don't understand me or, or it's not um, getting angry, but really trying to find common ways to come to a solution and move forward.
1: Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. And rather?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what to say, um, but I, I totally relate with uh, not having English as my mother tongue, and that at times, especially when interacting with people from different areas of the world, like um, for instance, to, to bring another example into this, it was that in the past, in my corporate life, I interacted with people from Netherlands, from India, from a lot of countries, right? The US, UK. So, in a sense, it was a bit of a challenge, the fact that um, we were not always able to communicate as best as a native speaker would have, right? Because obviously, we do have a wide vocabulary and we learn economical or financial or business terms. But then, as Virginie said, when it comes to particular uh, phrases, particular expressions, it's pretty hard, one, to understand them if you're not a native speaker, and two, um you might not even know them at all and it comes hard to understand them right so yes uh it's it's pretty interesting and i um talking about communication you know maybe um feeding the employees more like a nonverbal training of the communication in these particular cases, right? When a certain language is not your mother tongue, right? um, I think that it would be very useful because the inflection of the voice or the tonality, you can learn a lot about the person in front of you, right? If you're one-on-one, you can observe some micro expressions, on their faces that might give you certain signals, right? So again, yes, communication, I do believe that it's uh, critical and it should always be enhanced from, let's say at least once a year from, uh, you know, the lowest, but I'll put it quote in quotes, lowest department, right? Because no job is less important than the other to the highest. Right. Yeah. So on the wide range of the hierarchy, I do believe that communication skills and not just skills, but um, approaches should be served. Yeah. yeah. And to, to what you're saying, I forgot to mention as well, uh,
2: Andrada. Also, being direct is also something to pay attention to. And you mentioned the Netherlands, and that's why I remember that. I used to live in the Netherlands as well. And the Dutch people are very direct when they talk. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they were telling me things, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. But they, again, they don't didn't mean to be as direct as they sounded. But because me, with my French background... Mm-hmm. To me, it was very, very direct, even limits of being rude, but they didn't. So by being aware that this is a cultural difference, and I was told once I was giving a workshop on that, and someone told me in Israel, it's, they are even more direct than the, the Dutch uh, people. So just by being aware that if someone is too direct, they may not mean to be direct. It's just the way they, they, they are and, they, and that's right. their culture. So by having all these little, um, little things in mind, you this is how you learn to to communicate and work with people. So as you say, it's very broad. It's the, the tonality, it's the, the directness. Also, when you are face-to-face as well, some cultures, when they speak to each other, usually the Latin culture will speak closer to people than people who are like from Germany or the Netherlands who speak further away. Mm. Uh, so again, this is also uh, taking that into Consideration in Asia, I know as well, depending whether it's China, Japan, South Korea, etc. You also have to be mindful of the distance um, you're using to talk to your counterpart. So, all these little things, and that's back to your point, Raila, making your research. If you know you are to go for a business meeting in a country you've never been to make sure you do your basic research how to greet people how to speak to them uh by shaking hands nowadays it's a bit difficult for everybody but um but also what are the rules of greetings who who, who can talk in holland as well the, the hierarchy is quite flat so and anybody can speak to the boss sorry but um for instance in france and i know as well in, in asia in some cultures when the manager speaks, then the others should not say anything or or wait until you ask, okay, what do you think? So all of these, we we need to be very mindful and be aware of that.
0: Uh, Virginia, I would like to keep a bit direction of uh, what we just spoke about and uh, dive in a bit deeper precisely in these times, right? Because we know that there are a lot of online interviews, online jobs lately. So in what manner can someone who is looking to, su- to, to hire a potential candidate from a different culture, um, keep in mind all these details and maybe um, because we're not, you know, face-to-face again, like for a... Um, for a real interview, yeah. For a real interview, yeah, I was looking for a specific term. See, about uh, speaking about not having a certain <laughs> language as your mother tongue. Um, but how, how would you advise precisely the employer, right, in these times to look at diversity and um, microexpressions and nonverbal communication at this point?
2: Um, so, great question. Um, I would say, and that's going to be a bit weird, maybe, and that's and I'm it may not be the right answer, but at least that's my experience. I would say the first contact should be only by phone so that the recruiter can really just listen to the person whether he or she is motivated, whether I he or that. she has a smile in their voice because. We don't see the smile, but we can hear it. If someone is sad or someone is is very angry, you're gonna hear it in the voice. So really only focus on the voice so that you have no idea, okay, you're gonna hear if it's a man or a woman, but that's pretty much it. You're not gonna hear about, you're not gonna notice the age, uh, whether the person is black or white, whether the person is um, as a certain religion, or has a certain disability. So I would say focus first on the phone interview. Once you have considered the person, that yes, he or she has the right motivation, yes, he or she has a smile, yes, he seems to have the the skills that I'm looking for, and I'm not necessarily saying the technical skills like uh, he needs to know Excel and this and that, but maybe he needs is empathetic, he can is willing to learn, etc. Then I would suggest move to a, a, a video interview, so like we're doing via Zoom, Skype, Webex, whatever, and then try to dive a bit deeper and okay you will see the person and but you should that's where you can start to see whether the person is shy and is always looking down like that is this person shy maybe because he or she is nervous in interview we're all nervous maybe that's the reason or really because the person is like yeah i'm I'm bored i'm not so interested so Mm You will get another impression, but the, this video interview should never be a reason because, oh, this woman, uh, um, she, I don't know, I'm going to take myself, oh, she, she's wearing blue earrings, I don't like blue, then I'm not going to hire her. No, that should not be a reason uh, for, for dismissing a candidate. The, the, the recruiter which should really focus on, on uh, who is the person deep down and not what he or she looks like. I and then, yes, yeah,
1: so that would be my, my, my suggestions. Yes. Thank I think you. that is, you know, having a neutral stance in every which way. You really answer that superbly. Um, Vijani, coming back to the social part of, uh, you know, uh, relationships in the workplace, um, but even if it's distance on a virtual way as well, Um, Do you think that common interests play a huge role in how we communicate and diversify with each other? I think it helps, uh, but I also think uh, you need balance.
2: If you are only, back to what I was saying, if I would be only going out with people who like exactly the same thing as me, who have the same hobbies, who read the same books, who, who listen to the same music, at some point, I will not learn anything new because I'm always surrounded by people who have the same. So, yes, it's good to have people who share common interests because, again, they can make you discover other things and they can also uh, help you improve in certain areas. But it's also good to have people from, who have other interests. Maybe you're going to discover something you were not aware and suddenly it becomes also your other hobby. You never know. Or maybe a book. You, you, for instance, you always read uh, nonfiction books, and then suddenly someone say, "Well, you should read that book. It's a fiction," and then, "Oh my God, it's a great book," etc. Yeah. So, by by really um, having again a balance of people who you have around you, and it's the same with diversity. It's good to have people who look like you and who have similar background but make sure you also have the balance having people that come from a different country, culture, uh, age, gender, etc. So the same with interest, I think it's good to have a, a balance of both so that again, you can grow into both level that you're not, you, you still have things to share because sometimes you just need to, someone to talk to, someone who understands you. And if you have the same uh, passion, you can, you can easily uh, relate to each other. But also having people who have other interests that will help you again discover new things and learn new things
1: and grow as a person. I'm thoroughly impressed by your by your response because <laughs> you. you know it just opens it opens a whole window of opportunity to learn and grow, mm-hmm. um, and also again it takes you out of your comfort zone. And I think this is what yes. diversity is all about. It's for you not to be in your comfort zone. Exactly. It is to take you out of that. So I really love that answer. Thank you very much. Anuradha?
0: I love your addition on that, Rahila, by the yeah. way, because um, I can share from my personal experience, right? Coming from um, the last, let's say, almost three years of being on LinkedIn and embracing diversity and learning about it in the first place and then embracing it because. It it serves precisely, for instance, if you're a very curious person, right, you have the greatest chances to learn a lot about the other people. You have the greatest chance to um, add a lot of tools to your toolkit, right, if you want to become a coach or whatever. If you're a writer, then again, personal experience, it brings a lot of subject that subjects that you can touch on right and as I always say as a writer everything anything and everything can become a topic so when you embrace diversity and when you look at people from an angle of what they can teach you and what new you can get from them then diversity becomes one of the greatest blessings of this world right why not
2: absolutely oh yes
0: Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah. both yeah. Yeah. perspectives are incredible. I love that. See, I'm learning a lot from people from different corners of the world, right? So I'm in Romania, you're in Luxembourg, Rakhila is in South Africa. So we are uh, all together just a very diverse community here, right? Yeah. A yeah. community of three, but it's still a small community that is debating incredible things and that uh, is trying to bring up value to to the people in terms of why diversity should be embraced and why we should look at it as as i said a bit earlier as to the greatest um blessing right that we yeah. can be given into this world so
1: absolutely yeah. yeah this has been so it was it's absolutely educational for me talking to to you, Virginie, today. You Thank know, you. It, it is so, I think the timing is so perfect mm-hmm. for this conversation. Um, and, you know, we're really looking forward to having you on with us. And Thank I'm so you. glad, rather that today's conversation is highly educational, even for myself, because you opened up a new way of thinking, even for me, um, in how I should embrace diversity going forward so thank you for the very amazing pointers and tips that you have shared and i'm sure whoever's listening to the podcast will find it highly beneficial you know going forward as well so thank you very much and rather
0: yeah i'm sure that a lot of people will find value and if i might add i would like to invite everyone that is watching or listening to go back to season one as well and check out that interview with Virginie and some other um, episodes that Rahilan and I had together because we have brought diversity in many more episodes, not just in our discussion with Virginie. Um, but we are also bringing um, a lot of you know angles of, the, of being diverse, being inclusive, of the HR, right? So all those episodes and uh, especially the one with Virginie about leadership is a great resource for people who would like to understand more their employees, where we're going, why emotional intelligence needs to be a a critical standpoint, a, a critical, a key point into um, conducting their teams. So This is uh, where we would like to uh, conclude with today's episode. But before that, Virginie, I know that I asked you last time, but I would like to also put this in the show notes as well. This time is if anyone at this point would like to contact you, would like to reach out to you for services. uh, How can they do that?
2: Yes. So first of all, thank you, both of you, Raïla and Andrada, for having me. It was a pleasure and honor. And I'm also uh, learning every time from from you too. So thank you so much again for for having me. So people can reach out to me either on LinkedIn, obviously, uh, Virginie LeMay-Frieser, Otherwise, my website, it's uh, VLV.coach. So my initials, VLV.coach. People can also send me um, a mail directly to Virginie at VLV.coach. I'm also on Facebook under my full name, Virginie Lume Frisde, or on Instagram, a little bit less, but still Virginie underscore LV. So that's
1: pretty much it.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you so much, Virginie, for your love, for your time. And I wish you everything of the best. Well, we wish you everything of the best in all your future endeavors. However, it pans out in 2020 that it is fruitful and that whatever you do is so dynamic and may you be showered with infinite blessings in all that you do. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you very much. Thank you for sure. And thank you from the bottom of my heart, ladies, for joining me today and being willing to share your knowledge and your wisdom with the audience.